Good morning. So lovely to have you all here. And for those of you online, lovely to have you here as well. Uh, I wonder what gear you're in this morning. Uh, it's the beginning of the year. And at my LTC earlier this week, one of the questions we got asked, what gear are you in? Huh? You're doing okay. Um, some of the guys in my LTC are, don't have day jobs anymore, and they say it's a bit harder to get into gear when you don't have a day job anymore. For guys like me, you have to be in low range right now so that you can get going. Being in the right gear is important so that you get where you need to go. And uh, if you end up in the wrong gear, often you don't get where you're going to go. And I hope that we as a church can start in the right gear this morning. That you and I as a community can be in that gear that God wants us to be so that we can end up in the place God wants to take us to at the end of this year. And so I think one of the fundamental things we need to know about the gear that we're in right now is will it get us there? And where is there? There's nothing worse than getting on a road and going, I shouldn't have brought this car on this road. I'm in trouble now. So where does God want us to go? Where is it that God wants us as a church family to go to this coming year? And not just us, but his church. I mean, we talked a lot last year about acts and about where God wants us to go. And we've reminded ourselves that God wants us to be a transformational community where we are transformed and that transforms the world around us. But, but that's not theoretical. That's actually a real thing. And I want to remind you where God wants us to go from the Bible. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's telling them what the mission is and he says this, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. <laughs> no pressure. I mean, here you hear this. All nations. That's how big, how far this picture goes. But not only that, not only has it got a massive distance, it's got a massive amount of depth to it. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. I mean, there are two big absolute words there. All and everything. And I don't know about you, but in my heart, I feel utterly inadequate to the task. That task is, that's big. That's, that's a God-sized task. And so if I'm gonna respond, I have to know where to start. I have to know which gear to be in. Because if I'm not in the right gear, I'm not going to get where I need to go. The disciples, the guys who originally were hearing this, spent three years with Jesus. And obviously they learnt all the time that they were with him. Most of their learning happened through interaction, through listening to what Jesus said 
and to watch and, and, and watch what he did and then, and then doing what he told them to do afterwards. That's how they learned. But here's, here's a curious thing. As you go through the Gospels, I can only find one place where they actually ask Jesus to teach them something specific. I haven't found another place where, they, they, I have never seen a place where they ask him to teach them how to preach. I mean, Jesus was the greatest preacher ever. But, but there's no place that I see in scripture where they say, Jesus, teach us how to preach. I don't see a place where they say, Jesus, teach us how to do those miracles. Those are awesome. And if we could do those, I mean, really, eh? We could rule the world. Or, or, or you know, Jesus, teach us how to, there's only one thing, there's only one thing that these disciples say to Jesus, that thing you need to teach us. And I think they are beginning to realize, in a sense, that's first gear. If, if we don't get that part of this thing right, we're not going to be able to go where Jesus wants us to go and to fulfill that command that he asked us to fulfill. Luke 11, verse one. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And so if, you've, if you're a church person, if you know the Bible, if you've been around, you'll know that that's kind of the opening line to Jesus teaching his disciples the Lord's Prayer. That thing that's kind of become a bit of a, a recitation, a bit of a formula. But as we spend time with that, we understand through what Jesus says now, also in Matthew when he talks about it, and other places where Jesus talks about prayer, it's much, much more than simply giving them a formula. He's giving them something really fundamental, not just about, about how to. Because the truth is, we all get quickly into the how do I do this. In fact, I think, especially for Christians, we, Often when we hear we're going to hear a sermon on prayer, we, we, we turn off. We go, I, I can't. I don't know how. I've always failed. Whatever, we come up with excuses. We say, I, I, that part of it I can't handle. Please don't turn off this morning. Because, because I fundamentally believe that this is one of the first gears we have to as followers of Jesus, as individuals, and as a community, just like those early disciples recognized, Jesus, you need to teach us how to do this thing. The other stuff we think we'll learn as we watch, but this you need to teach us. Now, there's all sorts of reasons why we back out. I mean, one of the reasons we back out is because we kind of have a false picture of prayer. We've been indoctrinated in a certain way and by circumstances around us. We, we often don't pray because we're intimidated. I don't know if you grew up with this prayer. Younger people, if you've never heard this prayer, just think about this for a moment. Adult goes to pray with a kid and they want to teach him because you know, it's easy, you, you give like little recitations and then it's easier. Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul should keep. If I should die before I wake. I mean, you're already scared of what's under the bed. 
You're already afraid of what's in the cupboard. You're really worried about the noises on the roof. And now you're supposed to pray, and you pray, if I should die. And I'm not going to sleep tonight. <laughs> and, and, and I understand where that prayer comes from, but, but that's the truth, isn't it? And, and we, we learn that kind of prayer is this recitation. Or we're afraid to pray because we've heard other people pray that are really good at it. And we go, I can't go there. I don't even know half the words that that person uses. I used to listen to three old salvation, two old salvation army colonels that were part of a life group that Colleen and I were once part of. And they used to pray King James English. And what was nice about them, it wasn't false for them, that was their language. But there's no way I'm going to pray after those people have prayed. Because it was just beautiful. And here I'm, hello God, <laughs> you know. And, and, and so, we don't want to pray. Can I tell you another reason I often struggle to pray? Boredom. I mean, I, you know, I have before heard stories about this person who was such a prayer warrior and they started every day by praying for an hour and I, I want to please God, I want to love God. And so I'm going, I'm gonna pray every day, okay, hour, I can't do that, 40 minutes, you know, or 30 minutes and, and I'll start and I'll list everything, I'll think about everything, and, and I'll talk to God about everything, and I'm like, yo, I must be ready. Five minutes. All my brain is over there, because I am who I am. And so the temptation is to face that and go, well, I just can't. This is somebody else's problem. I want not to teach you ways to overcome those issues this morning. I want to teach us why we should pray. Not the how to. I mean, we'll talk a little bit about the how to, but, but the why. Because if you get the why right, you get other things right. And if it was that important for the, these disciples that they, it was the one question, teach us to do that. I think we should ask ourselves the same questions and there are lots of reasons why. I think the biggest reason is Jesus told us to pray. Another huge reason is, is that you can't have a real relationship unless you have communication. You can't. And so I know that all of us have heard lots and lots of reasons why we should pray. But one of the reasons I discovered while I was busy preparing this message that kind of surprised me, and I love it, because it fits my personality. It fits who I am and where I am, and, and, and I honestly think it's one of the best reasons we can pray. And that reason is happiness. Happiness or joy. See, the truth is God teaches us we should be filled with joy. The Bible teaches us that the joy of the Lord is our strength that joy and happiness are a very, very real thing that God wants his children and his world to experience. And I love the fact that one of the reasons I need to pray is because it will bring not only me, but the world around me, deep joy and true happiness. Not just the surface kind of, this is fun, 
but fundamentally deep down, a joy that is rooted not just in my circumstances, but like Cindy talked about, in the depth of my relationship with others. Uh, this isn't something a pastor's making up for psychology reasons. This is in scripture. I mean, just look at the happiness of Jesus. Just look at the happiness of Jesus. Most pictures of Jesus don't do it for me. You know, those paintings. Most of them, and, and not disrespect to Jesus, the, the God, but those pictures, uninspiring generally. Unless you like wavy hair and a pallid complexion and an insipid face. You know, with a, I don't know, most pictures of Jesus just don't do anything for me. But you know where my favorite picture of Jesus is? In our chapel. And I'll tell you why. Well, one of the reasons is because in that picture, Jesus is happy. You don't have to go into the chapel. It's up on the screen. It's a painting of Jesus. And look at him. He's happy. You can see he's full of joy. And the oaks that are with him, are, are, we're in. We want to follow you. And I'm not making this up that Jesus was happy. This is not me pretending I know what Jesus' face looked like. Because Scripture actually teaches us that despite the fact that Jesus had many struggles and he was sad and he had difficulties and there were huge struggles in his life, the Bible tells us that Jesus was happier than most people. It's right there in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9. It says, Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy above his peers. He was anointed as a gift from God with joy and happiness above the people around him. It's, it's not hard to read the Gospels and discover that people like to be around Jesus. Especially people that were struggling, people who were sad, people who were suffering. They wanted to be around him. And, and even when people can do amazing things, you know, some of us have doctors that can do amazing healings on us. But we don't want to be in their offices because they're grumpy. I mean, not every doctor's like that. But you know what I mean. But people didn't just want to be with Jesus for what they could get, but for who he was because he was filled with joy. And as our relationship with grow, grows with him and as we talk to him, our joy will be will be received from him. The joy of the Lord is my strength. But it's not only the happiness of Jesus, but it is, it's deeper than that. It's the happiness, happiness of the kingdom of God happening around us. As God's kingdom arrives, joy happens. I follow a group of people called the International Justice Mission. They're an amazing group of people who, who, who work against human trafficking and slavery in the world. And, and, and to, to follow their, their Twitter feed and their, and their social media is both heartbreaking, but it is filled with these moments of joy where people are rescued because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I haven't often seen people getting healed physically. I have. And you know what, if you get in a service where somebody genuinely gets healed, nobody leaves and at the door says to the pastor, 
good sermon, Pastor. I liked your message. No, everybody's going, did you see what happened? That person was blind and now they see. And so as we bring the kingdom of God, joy ensues. If you get the opportunity, connect with George and ask him about mangoes. Just George from Cast. Just if you want to hear a lovely story about the kingdom of God coming in the simplest way and bringing joy and happiness, say, hey, George, tell me the story about the mangoes. I'm going to leave it there because I want you to ask him because it's full of joy and happiness. And so why should we pray? Home ground church, we should pray because of happiness, because of joy, the joy that it will bring us and the joy that it will give to the to the world around us and the joy that it will give to our Father in heaven. Let us pray like Jesus prayed so that we can live a life like Jesus lived. If we pray ordinary prayers, we will live ordinary lives. But those disciples recognize something. Up to that time, they'd obviously been praying ordinary prayers. And they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And now they begin to live extraordinary lives Ordinary prayer, ordinary lives. Extraordinary prayer, extraordinary lives. And so the first thing Jesus does after they ask him this question is he introduces not the how to pray, but the who to pray to. Of all the lessons I think we need to learn, that's the first one. That when you and I open our mouths to pray, we are, it's not how, It's who. And Jesus says the who is our Father. Our Father. The who beats the how every single time. Any father understands this. Any father understands that that when you're being asked something because you're a father, it's different. If you wake me up at three o'clock in the morning to ask me for a cup of water, I promise I'm not gonna respond to you the same that I did when my children woke me up, or except they didn't, that was Colleen. If, but it applies, doesn't it? It applies, because a father is being asked, and Jesus breaks this mold of prayer and says when you start praying, Remember you are talking to your father. Just after this, Jesus wants to reinforce this message. And so he tells this kind of weird story that when we read of it, we read it, most of us misunderstand it because we think Jesus is comparing God to somebody who doesn't want to answer prayers. Listen to this. Then Jesus said to them, Matthew eleven five. Suppose you have a friend and you go to him and at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, it's because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So we don't understand the desperation that this person has who's asking for bread. In the Middle Eastern culture, highest value, hospitality. Highest value. I mean, this man is desperate. 
So Jesus says, if that happened to you, if you had a desperate need, what would you do? Well, you'd ask somebody to help you. You'd go to your neighbor. And you go, hey, dude, please, please help me. Now, your neighbor's already in bed. He doesn't want to get up because he's got children, and in that context, the kids are sleeping all around there, and you know, they've just, it's like Barry's car trip. They've just managed to get them all asleep. Seriously, you want me to get up? All my kids are going to, this is going to mess with me. But I'll do it because I know you're not going to go away. Now, Jesus isn't saying God is like that. But what Jesus is saying is it doesn't matter how shameless your audacity is because God wants to answer your prayers. Not like that guy. He wants to. But don't back down with the audacity. Learn to ask for things like children ask for things. I love the fact of how shameless and passionate and honest kids are when they say things and ask for things. I have a friend who my godson deeply embarrassed me in front of once. Scott is a really good friend of mine. He's just a big guy. He's big. And uh, he was visiting us and my godson and their family were visiting and he was you know, small and we were playing around and he was asking the adults question and he turns to Scott and he says, are you married? Scott says, no. He says, you won't ever get married. And Scott says, why? He says, because you're too fat. <laughs> I'm glad to say that Scott is married and didn't kill me. And he's a policeman, it's huge. But you see, that child was just, there was no filter. Children ask without filters. They speak without filters. And God is inviting us to speak to him without filters. To say to God what is deep down in our heart, the things that we've been taught not to say, God wants us to say those things. Because he loves us and he wants to hear what's inside of us. Every single one of us have been asked for crazy things by our children, haven't we? And we don't go, you're bad for asking that. I mean, if we could, and if it was good for them, we'd give them whatever they needed, we would. Because we're parents. We've conditioned ourselves to go, I can't ask God. Yes, you can. He may say no, and we'll get to that in a moment. But can we not learn to be audacious and shameless and passionate and say, God, that's what I want. That's what I need. God, this is who I am. This is what I'm struggling with. Why? Because we are talking to our Father. We've got to get the who right. Now, I am encouraging us to pray as individuals and as a church community big, audacious, bold, daring prayers. But sometimes we not going to get an answer. Sometimes God is going to be silent, and I think a lot of us have given up on prayer because sometimes God doesn't appear to answer. 
So I just quickly want to remind you that Jesus, when he teaches his disciples about prayer, doesn't just teach them who they're praying to and give them kind of that framework prayer. He also makes lots of comments about prayer, both in these passages and in other places in the gospel. And he teaches some reasons why prayers don't get answered. And one of the first reasons for God's silence, Jesus identifies as hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. In Matthew 6, verse 5, he says this about prayer. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to see, be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. I know that all of us struggle with hypocrisy at some level. I know we do. But you know what overcomes hypocrisy? Honesty. When we just, this is me, God, I'm not going to pretend now. I can't pretend. I wish I could pretend, but I can't. And the, the reason is Jesus is pointing to those people and saying, they aren't actually talking to me. They're talking to me so that they can be seen by other people. So that other people can go, whoa, awesome. Wow, that guy, listen to his language. And so Jesus says that they get what they're asking for. They are asking to be noticed. And so they get it. And so they don't receive a reward from me. They don't get what they've asked for because with their mouths, they get what they've been asking for with their hearts, to be recognized by people around them. And so often our prayers aren't answered because in fact we're not praying to God. In our hearts, we're praying performance prayers to be seen. There's a second reason that Jesus very clearly identifies, and he says sometimes God is silent because of unforgiveness in your heart. There are quite a few places in Scripture where Jesus encounters people, and one group of people worship him, and another group of people are working. And Jesus often says to them, hey, 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 slow down with the work. The job that you need to do is worship. And, and we recognize that. But there's one exception. Matthew 5, 23. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. We cannot interact honestly with God when there's unforgiveness in our hearts. We cannot. Jesus says it's one of the reasons your prayers aren't answered. Now, the truth is we can't always actually go and ask forgiveness. There's some people that aren't alive anymore that, are, that I can't go to them. I can't do that. But I can do it in my heart. I can pause in that moment and say, God, help me to deal with this unforgiveness. I mean, if I can go to the person, even better. But, but if there's that unforgiveness in our hearts, if we're not prepared to give to other people the grace that God has given to us, Jesus says God will be silent. There's a third reason. Sometimes there's silence from God because all we do is pray. We don't seek and knock. We don't seek and knock. Now, I know that sometimes this can create a tension in us. Somebody said to me earlier, the Lord helps those who help themselves. That's not correct. 
The Lord helps whomever he chooses. But part of the way God works is that prayer isn't simply a place where we get our demands met. It's part of a, of a, a journey with God of growing and of being. And sometimes we have to seek and knock. And, well, in fact, always we have to pray and seek and knock. Luke 11, 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Perhaps God is silent in the prayers you're praying because you're just waiting for him to do something and you're not doing anything about it. There's a fourth reason. And that is, he is our father. Sometimes God is silent because he is our father. And he loves us. And the things we are asking for he will be terrible for us. Or will damage us or the people around us. He loves us. Again, Jesus is talking about prayer. And he says, who of you, fathers, if your son asks you for bread, will give them a scorpion? A good father will never do that. And the truth is, sometimes we ask God for scorpions. We don't know they're scorpions, but they are. A friend of mine's son was beside himself with anger at his parents because they wouldn't answer his perfectly decent request. He was five years old. And, and all he wanted with all his heart was a gun. Not a toy one, Daddy. Not one of those plastic ones. I want a real one, Dad. And he was angry with his parents because they wouldn't give him a gun. See, sometimes God is silent because he is our Father. And he truly loves us. And sometimes because we're little, we like that little boy who's like, my parents are just mean. But one day he will come to the realization, oh, thank you, Lord, my mom and dad didn't answer that prayer when I asked it. So sometimes God is silent. We can't give up because God is silent. We must pray. And as a church family, let's get into first gear. Let's get into the right gear right now for what lies ahead of us, for reaching every nation and for teaching them to obey everything by doing this Lord, teach us to pray. And so let us pray. Let us not just pray, but as a church family, let us ask and seek and knock. Let's keep at God and say, God, this is what I'm praying for my family, for me, for my church family. So let us pray. I don't know where you are in your church, in your, in your prayer journey today. I don't know where you are. But I want you to just take one step. Perhaps you're like me. So I pray best when I'm praying with other people. It's part of my nature. It doesn't mean I shouldn't pray alone, and I do pray alone. But I'm in my zone when I'm with other people and praying. It's just that interaction, and I love it. And so, so this week, we want to offer you the opportunity to pray with others. Now, you may be doing it on your own, but you're not going to be doing it by yourself. 
And so, so we'd love you to sign up on the, on the website to, to go through our week of prayer this week, to be praying with us. We'll give you the material. We'll send you the PDF. There'll be something specific that you can pray every day this week. And perhaps take the first step of learning to fast this week. But please, whoever you are, just do it like a child. There's no shame in a child coming to ask for help from their parent because they don't know how to do something. Put your shame behind you. I've been a Christian so long I should be better at this. It's okay. Your dad loves you. And so sign up to pray with us this week. And let's pray bold, audacious, scary prayers. But if you want to learn to pray more consistently with other people, there's a whole bunch of opportunities. We have prayer partners in the church who pray either at, at home or here in the building for the staff and for the needs of the church and for the needs of people in our church. Sign up for the prayer partners ministry. We're looking for people to pray with us during the service. It's, it's an awesome opportunity. We're looking for people that can pray after the service with, for people. COVID's gonna end sooner than we hope, I hope. And I want to tell you that two of the most significant relationships I've had in the last 10 years started in the front of this church when people came and I prayed with them. And something happened. And, and they, not only were their prayers answered, but God connected us. And so being part of the team that prays for people after a service is absolutely amazing. Maybe that's too scary. Maybe you just want to be part of people that pray for people in our church. We have a prayer chain that we sign up to and, and you'll get a WhatsApp to say, please pray for this, please pray for that. But maybe you're one of those people that go, okay, I'm not ready to do this with other people, John. It's easy for you, you're an extrovert. You know, it's easy, John. I'm an introvert. So I want to give you another habit. I want to ask you to develop the habit of just stopping randomly and praying where you are. Just stop yourself, wherever you are. Dweez, as he led worship, said one of the habits he's developed, I think it was last week, is he'll just stop himself in a moment and say, God, I give you everyone and everything. What a great habit. Rex Matthew, my prof at Theological College, asked, he could be embarrassing, eh? I'm walking down the, in the hospital corridor at Joburg Gen, and, hey, boss, I'm thinking about this one. Boss, you know, can you pray for me for this? And he says, yeah. And then he stops. I'm like, he says, come here. What? Well, you asked me to pray. Let's pray. In the middle of Joburg Gen corridor, people going back and forth in there, Rex Matthew. You see, just stop and pray. If you can do nothing else this year, stop and pray. Develop the habit of I need to talk to God right now about this. And you know what? It's, it can be the prayer of a small kid. Help. Help, mom and dad. Help. But whatever we do, let us pray. I want to share a last story of where prayer can take people. I have a friend called Mandy Pillay. Mandy, when she joined the WOW team back in the day, was so shy. 
she couldn't look me in the eye when she had a conversation with me. She would literally say, Uncle Ben, you talk, but I'm not going to look at you. Otherwise, I can't talk back. And we prayed about her being on this team. You don't put people like Mandy on evangelism teams. You don't. I mean, she can hardly talk to herself. But as we prayed, we were convinced that God wanted her on team. 25 years later, Mandy has just celebrated 10 years at Wusong University in Korea, where she's a dean to students. He was this person who, who couldn't look one other individual in the eye and now ministers to thousands of students. If you go onto Mandy's Facebook, it's just full of prayer. All over her Facebook. Just, I'm praying this. God, help me. And it, just to see somebody go from somebody who utterly couldn't say a word to me, let alone to God, to somebody who now is thriving and is changing the world around her, and there was one thing that made that happen. Pray. Church family, God wants us to pray. Let us pray. Let us pray everywhere in every way. Every moment of the day, it is the right time. For the Father above, he is listening with love, and he wants to answer us. Let us pray. Our Father, our Dad in heaven, your name is wonderful and holy. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And oh Lord, help us not to be led into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one because yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Enjoy praying this week.